My name is Kami Stone. I'm on the preaching team. The fun thing about our preaching team is that everybody tends to kind of have a theme that they, no matter what topic or what title they give it, it kind of boils back to that because that's just what the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Pastor Easy, whether he's talking about the prairie chicken and the eagle or a biscuit or a hole in the roof, those are some great sermons of his that you can get online, but it always is going to come down to faith. I think with Kirk, you saw it's going to come down to kingdom. You know, with Alan, it is authority. Now, he may preach about other things, but there is so much authority in him that that's what comes out through him because that's just how the Holy Spirit speaks to him. You know, John, I mean, he's just like a machine gun of revelation of the word. You have to listen to his sermons three or four or five times to really catch it all. It's just amazing. With me, someone once told me that they were a waiter and they didn't like whenever they would go around a whole table and somebody would be, and for me, as for me, my thing that the Holy Spirit tends to speak to me about is stinking thinking. And so it doesn't matter what little topic or what stream the Holy Spirit directs me through, it always comes down to your thinking. Because if you change your thinking, you can change your life. I mean, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, it's a multi billion dollar industry where people come in and lay down on a couch and they try to get them to think differently. They try to get them to approach things differently. Now we're not going at this from a humanistic realm, but we're going at it from the way that the Lord has already said this morning. He wants us to think like he thinks. The Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And guess who gets to adjust? It's not him. It's us. (laughs) We get to come up where he is. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some stinking thinking that we can all have. And Pastor Lena already referenced it. I want to talk about little decisions that make big impacts. Sometimes it's the little decisions that if we could quantify them, if we could qualify them and quantify them, if we could somehow rate them, you know, this decision was a one and this one was a two and this one was a ten, but if we could quantify all the little one and two rated decisions that we make over a lifetime, it would be shocking at the impact that these little seemingly insignificant decisions make in our lives. Now, we all know the big ones, right? When you're young, the big one is, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? What do I study if I do go to college? What kind of career do I embark on? Do I switch careers? Do I go back to school? Like there's, you know, who do I marry? Who do I not marry? Who do I date? Who do I not date? Do I have a baby now? Do I wait to have a baby later? Like there's all these big decisions in our lives. But if you could... Have you ever seen one of those detective movies where they've got like the wall of criminals and then they're the conspiracy theorists and they've got the red strings all coming down and and they're connecting all the dots? If we connected, if when we're in heaven, we'll be able to connect all the dots. But if we could connect all the dots and see that sometimes it's a thousand little decisions that then build us up, that get us into the right place to where we can make the right big decision that we need to make. And so the Bible talks about our minds, our hearts being a garden. And that the Lord wants to uproot anything in that garden that he hasn't planted. Talking about thoughts, attitudes, motives, soft skills, right? We talk about hard skills, soft skills in in industry, soft skills. Talking about different ways that we react to things. Now, it's not up to the plants 
to garden themselves. The plants just receive the sunshine, take in the water, take the nutrients out of the ground, and they just grow. It's the gardener that comes in and does the gardening, right? He pulls the root, he pulls the weeds, he prunes, he cuts out. I know that I kind of have more of a brown thumb, although I really wish I had a green thumb. So I have lots of houseplants that have brown leaves on them. And I'm always yanking off the brown leaves just so that they look prettier. But then pretty soon there's just like one green leaf left. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm loving my plants too much with too much water, or if I'm not giving them enough water, or maybe I need to put some fertilizer on there. But then did I burn it up and give it too much fertilizer? I'm not really sure. But you can know that God is the consummate gardener. He's going to know exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it, when to prune you, when to cut something off, when to, you know, give you the right sunshine and the water and everything else that you need. But the Lord talks about it's up to us to give the gardener permission. To give him permission. And so let's just pray real quick and give the Lord permission this morning. Lord, we give you permission. <laughs> we surrender. We bow our knees, we bow our hearts, and we surrender to you, and we say, have your way in us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that this morning you would highlight to us, that you would bring to remembrance, that you would convict us, that you would counsel us, that you would discipline us where we need it, so that we may produce a harvest that is pleasing to you, and it tastes sweet to others that they may know you. And so we give you all praise and all glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to John 15. John 15, I'm going to read the New King James Version because that's the proper version. That's the Anglo version, the new one. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So if you don't produce fruit, you get cut. If you do produce fruit, you get cut. <laughs> Lucky us. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Okay, so catch this picture. We already talked about a garden. We're going to shift slightly to a vineyard. So we're all vineyards, we're all vines, we're all branches of the vine that is Jesus, right? We're, we're attached to him. We pull our nutrients from him. We pull water and vitamins and whatever else, phosphorus and whatever else is in the ground that we need nitrogen from him, right? And then from that, we produce fruit that is supposed to be that it's not fruit like people, 
Sometimes when you speak to church people, they think people are fruit. People are not fruit. Fruit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's patience, kindness, love, joy, long-suffering. You catch what I mean? That is the fruit that is supposed to be growing in our lives to where when we are around other people and they eat of us, they taste of us, they are around us, they want to be around us more, right? Now, sometimes, you know, depending on the fruit that we're growing, we could be growing bitterness, we could be growing unforgiveness, we could be growing hatred, anger, spite, we could be growing just arguments, somebody that just wants to argue all the time. We could be growing one-upmanship. You know, those people that you tell them a story and then they got to, oh yeah, well, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And they got to like one-up them, right? We could be growing insecurity, jealousy, envy. Like the devil is endless in the things that he has provided that we can grow. But when people taste that, they don't want to be around us. I mean, do you want to be around somebody that's hopeless and they suck the life out of you and it's just all about them and all they want to do is sort of vomit on you all the bad stuff in their life? No, you avoid those people. Like, oh, God, there she comes. Okay, let me go over here and act like I'm busy. Uh, i got to flip through this paperwork. Don't see me. Don't see me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Or... Do you want to be the person at work that everybody wants to sit next to at lunch because you are full of hope, you are full of joy, you are full of encouragement, you listen to their dreams, and you say, yeah, you can do it, that's right, I can totally see you doing that, you've got the talent, you've got the drive, you can do that. And I don't mean lie or blow sunshine towards people that, you know, it's not there, but when we really see the God-given potential in someone and we encourage them in that, Guess what? There's something different about you. I want to be around you. What is different about you? It's Jesus. The hope that I have is Jesus. The hope that lives in me is Jesus. It's these little decisions that we make. See, in Song of Solomon, I heard someone once teach that the little foxes come into the vineyard and they eat the blossoms. The blossoms are sweet. Well, the blossoms are what actually creates fruit. A little botany lesson. When you see flowers on a tree or on a bush, that actual little flower falls off, but what's behind actually becomes the fruit of that tree or bush or whatever. And so these little foxes will come through and they'll eat the blossoms that are down low. Then later, when there's actually fruit, now, there's no fruit down low because they ate all the blossoms, right? They got into the vineyard, they ate all the blossoms. But now there's fruit up high, but they can't reach it. You know what these little suckers do? And I think foxes are cute. I watch a lot of nature shows. They're cute, they're fluffy, they have their little ears and their fluffy little tails, and they play, and you see them rumble and tumble. And, and so they seem harmless. They seem little and, and like not a problem, like not an issue. This, this isn't a problem. This is not a problem. Me thinking about that conversation that I had with that person and rehearsing it over and over and over in my head and thinking next time I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get them with that and then I remember the time that they did this and nobody saw but I could have told and I could have gotten them in a lot of trouble at work but I didn't and I swallowed it but boy they owe me. That's not a problem. That's just a little fox. You know what those little foxes do at harvest time? They go to the base of the branch 
where it connects to the vine, and they chew it. Because it tastes good? No. Because then the branch falls over with the fruit, hits the ground, and they can eat the harvest. Now, I am not trying to make, there is a mass psychosis of narcissism in this world today. Okay, I am not trying to make anybody look inward and think about me and let's talk about me and then I'm going to come to you and we will talk about me and we'll call it counseling and then we'll all get a group together and you talk about you and I'll talk about me and we'll call it group counseling. Like, I'm not trying to get any, but I'm not trying to get us to focus on ourselves, right? But just like that is foolish. It's also just as foolish to live our whole lives and never take a second to sort of examine what is going on in my brain. What is going on in my heart? What is going on in my mind? What am I thinking about? What is actually coming out of my mouth? I think I'm a Christian, but if somebody recorded you and played it back to you without letting you know that it was you, like if they did an auto-tune and changed the voice on it, what would you think of you? What would you think of your conversation, of the words coming out of your mouth, of, of the things that you're saying about yourself or the things that you're saying about other people or the things that you're saying about our nation or about God or about the future? Well, there's just no hope. There, this, this, this is just getting real bad. This, this economy, man, this, this nation, it's all just going to... What are we saying? What, what is coming out of us? The Bible says that out of the heart... The mouth speaks. What you say is a fantastic GPS locator as to what is in your heart. Are we saying over ourselves, over our spouses, over our kids, over our nation, over our world, what God is saying? Or are we just repeating what we heard on the news? I mean, if you watch the news 24-7, you just have it on in the background all day, all day, all day, all day, and then you want to come to me and tell me that you're depressed? Turn it off. <laughs> Find something else to listen to. Get a, listen to the podcast. This is a fabulous sermon. This is an encouraging sermon. Listen to me. <laughs> Ta-da! You're welcome. It's just for you guys. But it's these little decisions. It's, it's what we call micro-routines. Think about it. Micro-routines. Brushing your teeth. I have an electric toothbrush. You don't think about it. It's just you, you put the, like half the time you don't even remember, did I brush my teeth? Did I not? It's so automated in our lives. Did, did I do it? Did I not? I can't remember. Until you go to the dentist and they say, you are pressing way too hard on your gums and you're causing your gums to recede you need to change how you brush your teeth. Now all of a sudden I have to change my micro routine and not just stand there mindlessly. I have to think, oh, don't, don't press hard. Go light. Go easy. Gums are not easy to replace. Right, Pastor Allen? Like, they're not easy. Like, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to lose them. Like, gums are, they got to scrape the skin off the top of your roof of your mouth and then put it back on there. It's possible, but it is, it is painful. It hurts. It's not easy. It's going to cost you a pretty penny. Don't press too hard with your brush. Press hard enough that you get the plaque off. Okay. Thank you, dentist. You're welcome. But you got to, you got to look at these micro routines. We got to do a little spring cleaning. 
it's these little things that on your way to work, instead of just turning on the news or turning on that funny morning show, there's nothing wrong with a funny morning show. There's nothing wrong with the news. We, we, got, we need to know we're not ostriches. We're not sticking our heads down in the sand and ignoring what's going on in the world around us. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe the Holy Spirit has been prompting you for a while to spend that 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever your commute time is, the three minutes walking from your bedroom to your office in your house. I don't know where you work, whatever it is. But maybe he's been prompting you to spend that time with him, turning on worship, praying in tongues, praying for your coworkers, praying for your boss that just really needs Jesus. And so you could really intercede because you understand how much he needs Jesus. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's been prompting you to look in the mirror and start saying what he has said over you. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, God, you are so ugly. Oh, oh. Instead of, instead of remembering those conversations saying, God, I was so stupid. Why would I say that? I am so dumb. I'm so dumb. I hate myself. Because, I mean, I know we all have smiles on in here, and, and everybody looks really good and really pretty. And as positive as I have sounded, there was a time when I hated who I was on the inside. I told Lena one time, I want to crawl out of my body and beat myself up. I hate who I am. I hate the way my voice sounds. I hate the way that I think. I hate the way that I come across. I hate my personality. I hate me. I am disgusting. I am so grossed out by who I am. And you wouldn't have ever known it. But it was little decision after decision where I started saying, mm, I have to turn that thought off and turn to what Jesus has said, and he has said that I am his little princess. He has said that I was made in his image. He has said that I am precious to him. He has said that, that I am the desire of his heart and the apple of his eye. Who am I to turn around and say that I'm not? How weirdly, reversely, reverse psychology, psycho proud is it to think that my thoughts count more than his thoughts? And so I had to repent and, and sort of let that thing go and then on purpose start a new little micro routine that when I look in the mirror, I say, I like you. You are beloved of Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus washed you. You may not be perfect in this life yet, but Jesus died for you so that you could be and you're on your way. You're not what you used to be. And so we've got to, to start making these micro routine little decisions that over life, over time, it makes a huge impact. You guys have all heard it, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's an easy analogy and I need one right here. So... When a ship starts off from, say, England, since we've been talking about them, <laughs> cutting across the Atlantic, they set a point on their compass. Now, it used to be they had to use the stars, and it was all this sophisticated math, and, you know, sailors were actually pretty smart. Now, I'm not saying they're not smart. No offense to any sailors that may listen to this podcast one day. 
But now they set a GPS on there, you know, set coordinates, you know, like the Star Trek, set coordinates to 681, star date, blah, 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 right? They set coordinates. If that coordinate is off by one degree, when they're 10 miles offshore, no biggie. When they're 100 miles offshore, no biggie. When they're a couple of thousand miles offshore, now instead of going to Miami, you're landing in New York. And that's a big difference, people, let me tell you. You know, the beaches of Miami, the snow of New York, no thank you. Maybe even, you know, on up into Winnipeg, Canada, or Maine, or wherever. It makes a difference, and so it's these little things in our lives, these little decisions that we can make. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is on this this morning because he's already talked about it. Pastor Lena talked about it. it's these little decisions. Kirk talked about it. it's these little places of obedience that we step into. The Holy Spirit is wanting to talk to us, each one of us individually, and just make some little adjustments so that... Five years down the line, maybe 10 years down the line, when a big decision comes, do we make that move? Do I take that job? Do I marry that person for the younger people in here? Like, you know, when I come up to this big decision, now I'm in a totally different place. I'm not in Miami. I'm not in New York. I'm, I'm right where God wants me to be. Because all along, I've been compliant, I've been surrendered, and and when he wanted to make these little adjustments, I have stepped into him with full faith, believing him that he is faithful to do what he has said he will do. And so then when I get to those big decisions that are life-altering, I'm in the right place to do it. And I can hear him clearly. And the, the, and the waters aren't all muddy and crazy. And my soul isn't this child screaming, needing to be weaned. And I can hear him, and he'll say, he's promises us. See, okay, if you're in a place today where you're, you're facing a decision, big or little, and you feel like you can't hear from God, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, God. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, do you want me to go this way? Do you want me to go that way? you want me to take this job? you want me to do that? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Okay, you can step into a little place of obedience and say, God, you said that your disciples will hear your voice and we'll hear it clearly in another way we won't go. And so, God, I rest on the inside that you're going to speak loud enough and in a way that I can hear you. I'm not, I'm not going to miss it. And if I do, you'll, you'll be like... The GPS guy, rerouting, 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 and you're going to get me back around. But there's, I believe there's a place of obedience that takes effort, yet rest that takes faith that the Holy Spirit is calling us into today. Today. And so I just want us to, to step into that, to open our hearts up to that. Let's just close our eyes for a second. Okay, Holy Spirit. We've heard your word. We open our hearts, and I ask you, Lord, right now, speak to each person about whatever, whether it's one thing, two things, five things, hopefully not ten things, because that's a lot to take on at once. (laughs) Holy Spirit, speak to us. Where is the little place? What are the little foxes that are in our vineyard that's, that's either eating the blooms or eating the vines and trying to take the fruit? 
or what are the little things that, that we think, how we react, how we move that, that you want to change. We open ourselves up to you now. We're not going to wait till the end of service. We're going to do it now. We open ourselves up to you now, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See, here's a question. How long does it take you to get over a mistake? When you goof up and you know you goofed up, you know, you, you have a problem with your temper and anger and you blow up. And I mean, it's a doozy. It's Mount Vesuvius. It's ashes, lava everywhere. And you blow up. How long does it take you to get over it? A week? Two weeks? Six months? Does it throw you into a tailspin of depression because you're such a, a, a dumb person that you lost your temper again and now everybody's got to like try to bring you your self-esteem and bring you back up? You know, whenever, whenever you get rejected. You know, you ask somebody to lunch and they just say, no. And they don't give you a reason. They don't give you an excuse. I hate those kind of people. Like, what do they think? Like, No. Just, no. It's like, I mean, when you feel rejected, how long does it take you to get over it? I mean, are you now, like, you know, the rejected person that everybody's got to walk on eggshells around and every, look, I, j I just want to let you know, I'm not trying to hurt your feeling, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, if, if okay. The other day I was going somewhere and, um, well, I'll just say it, we bought a house and we were going to get into the neighborhood and there's a guard at the neighborhood. Because we didn't officially own it yet, because we hadn't closed yet, they wouldn't let us in the neighborhood. I was like, excuse me? It made me a little mad. Now, I'm glad they were doing their job. They were just doing their job, I, you know. But I don't like being told no. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> and the peanut gallery has now put in there two cents <laughs> but I mean we we just don't we don't like being told no ever like none of us do none of us enjoy it how long does it take you to get over it like does it turn into this whole thing and now you got to like forgive the person because now you're mad at them and then you're going to hold a grudge and then you got unforgiveness and now you got to repent and then try to forgive them but you don't even want to look at them because they told you no and now you're mad like there's these little things that the holy spirit wants to adjust in our lives these little micro routines in our lives so that it doesn't take us a week to get over somebody saying no, that they don't want to go to lunch. Like, they are their own person. They get to say no. It'd be nicer if they tell you why, but they don't have to. They are their own person. They can do what they want. Like, we got to take the pressure off of people. If you know me at all, if I ask you to do something, I will say, no pressure. You don't have to tell me now. Just let me know in a couple of days. I don't want to put any pressure on you. I don't want to be the person that puts pressure on people, unless I'm trying to sell them something. <laughs> Since I used to be in sales. You know, but I don't want to be the person that tries to put pressure on people to get them to do what I want them to do. I want people to be free, to do what they want to do, and if they want to be with me, they can be with me, and if they don't, then they're dumb because I'm a lot of fun.
I'm just saying, I'll make you laugh. Look at all y'all laughing. This is what I do. <laughs> but I want it to be that we, we get rid of these little foxes. They're not cute. Well, I mean, the real things are. But if you have a vineyard or if you have a garden, they're not cute. Deer are cute. They are not cute in your garden when they're eating everything. Rabbits are adorable. They are not cute when they're digging up your garden, and that's your only source of food. I mean, not for us, but you get the theory. Like, if we were subsistence dwellers in Alaska and that was our only food, we would not think it was cute that we had a mole or a gopher or a little rabbit. Not cute. These little things in our lives, these little attitudes, these little thoughts, these little conversations that we have with ourselves, these little conversations that we wish we had had with somebody else, these little, little you know, peccadillos that we call them, uh, of, you know, well, it's just my personality. I'm just a little fragile. I'm just a little sensitive. I, I just get my feelings hurt. I, I just kind of wear my feelings on my sleeve, but everybody knows it. No, everybody walks on eggshells around you and you're really a pain. And so that's why nobody wants to be around you. Oops, did I say it out loud? <laughs> Nobody wants to be around somebody that's so sensitive that you just, oh, it's exhausting trying to make the world okay for somebody else. I got enough in my own life to make it okay for me. I don't need to go around and try to make the world okay for somebody else so that they don't blow up and get mad, so that they don't blow up and start crying, so that they don't melt down and now I've got to build up their self-esteem for the next six months. It's too exhausting. And so the Lord wants to set us free. I mean, that's even exhausting for us. Like, how many times are you going to get on this hamster wheel of doing the same thing? Like, some of us are not as young as we used to be. Some of us still look it. But we may not be as young as we used to be. How long are we going to deal with the same stuff? And so you think it's this big issue in your life, but in reality... If you would start by making these little decisions, maybe break some little micro-routines and maybe start some new micro-routines, then maybe you could start walking your way out of that prison cell. Now, the, the doors are wide open. Jesus said that he came to set the captives free, to set the prisoners free. Captives are people that were taken by force. It wasn't their choice. Somebody else did something to them and it took them captive. Maybe you've got an issue with rejection. Maybe you've got an issue with anger. Maybe you've got an issue of whatever because of something else that somebody else did to you. It wasn't your fault. That door is open. Jesus came to set you free. Prisoners are in prison because they did something wrong. Maybe you've got one of those issues because of something you did. Maybe you can't forgive yourself. You know, many of our soldiers that are facing, that, that have PTSD, it's not from what they saw over there. It's from what they did. They had to shoot a kid because he had a bomb strapped to him. They had to shoot a pregnant woman because she had a bomb strapped to her. And they can't forgive themselves for what they had to do. Maybe... Some of us are in these prisons because of what we did. 
And Jesus says that he came to set us free, to forgive us of those things. And so it doesn't matter how bad, how awful, how horrific. I don't care if it was sexual abuse. I don't care if it was physical abuse. I don't care if it was mental or emotional abuse by your mother, your father, your brother, your cousin, some stranger. It doesn't matter if you were the perpetrator. It doesn't matter. Maybe you were the one. I have been a bully. I have been bullied. I have been a bully to people, putting pressure on them, trying to force them out of my own insecurities, out of my own issues, out of my own problems, trying to force them into doing something and just bully them, make them cry. I mean, I did. I made people cry because I was just, I was a bully at times. Not all the time. I'm still fun. <laughs> just sometimes I was a bully. I had to forgive myself. I was in a prison because of that. I hated myself because of that. And I had to walk out at the door. He opened it. He set me free. I had to walk out of that prison and into the light and accept what he'd done for me and let it go. And so this morning, I mean, through the sermon, through the worship, through all the little pieces that everybody added, I believe the Lord is really wanting to make some big changes by little steps. Big changes. I'm talking about some freedom for some people that from stuff that has dogged them for 25 years. I'm talking about some hope for some hopeless people. I'm talking about some, some love for some people that hate themselves and maybe feel hated by someone else. I'm talking about some, some, some really big life-changing stuff here by little decisions. You know, the, the Bible talks about it's just a little wheel a little rudder that can direct a whole ship. It's just some little things that we can change that can break depression. It can break hopelessness. It can break anger, resentment, unforgiveness. These are not small things. These are not little things. These are big things. But little decisions that we decide to walk into agreement with Jesus on can make some big changes. Stand to your feet with me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we said it once. We're going to say it again. You have carte blanche. You have total freedom, Holy Spirit, to speak to us about whatever. There are no sacred cows. There is nothing untouchable. There is no room that you can't go into in our hearts. There is no place in us that you can't touch. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you absolute permission. King of kings and Lord of lords, we give you absolute reign and rule to go anywhere and touch anything and talk about anything and change anything in us so that we may look more like you. Jesus, we just want more of you. We want more of you. We want to look more like you, Jesus. And we want the world to see you. And so we surrender again our entire lives. What we watch, what we think, what we say, what we eat, what we do, 
Lord, help me to exercise again. Lord, we, we just give everything to you. We give you all the praise and all the honor. We know that you're going to get us to where you want us to be. We would just rather not have to reroute a million times. So help us, Holy Spirit. You said you're our helper. You're our counselor. We trust you to do what you said you would do. We give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.